bias against photography. Mm -hmm. When you um, undertook to set up this the photo program, I guess we could call it or whatever, um, would I be correct in saying that you would you probably anticipated that you would make little or no money off of doing it? Oh, absolutely. And that was your <laughs> expectation. Oh sure. Oh sure. That uh, the reason you know one of the uh, I never expected to make money on it. I understood that, uh, well, for example, with uh, when I was with Schwetzoff and he had the Lodges show, I don't think he sold any of Lodges pictures. Or when he had the George Montgomery show, I don't think he sold any, sold any of George's either. Mm -hmm. So I understood that because I, I knew I knew quite a few of the, the local collectors, the art collectors, and I knew that they weren't interested in photography, mm -hmm. and that it would be a long uphill struggle to get, if not get those present collectors involved to build up a new another group group of uh, collectors you see yeah oh I, I recognized that from the from the beginning yeah. Yeah. and the fact that we were making enough money off of paintings and uh, you know and the other aspects of the gallery business to pay for that room to carry it really to carry it yeah. it didn't matter yeah. uh, because even then I mean, you must understand I, mean, I think that first show of that of the Siskin of Siskin that we had I think the prints were 35 50 bucks. Now, true enough, the expenses were, uh, compared to today were relatively low, but still, one had to make quite a bit of money to sell quite a bit of prints, rather. Mm -hmm. Can I look at some of your black and white stuff, Carl? Do you have any? Uh, some what? I just browse through the black and white. Yeah, but be careful. Yeah, I will be. Okay. So, in any case, uh, no, I recognized that early on. Mm -hmm. Um. Was Bernice in Boston at this time? She or out living out in Lexington? Or well, uh, she was doing the science, this MIT. I know project. she was here when I was, when I had a show. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. And uh, when the hell did I have her show? November of '59. Would have been near the end of the time she worked uh, out in Watertown or wherever the place was. November '59. That science, you know, deal she was doing. Yeah. Oh yeah, Bernie Thurman, right, yeah. Yeah, she was here on that project. Living in the area. Right, right. So you would have actually gotten, I assume that a lot of these people, or some of these people you wouldn't have actually gotten to meet, of course. You would have just had the well, correspondence and... let me tell you. Okay, yeah. As funny as Aaron's, obviously. Siskin, I got to know. Not, not at that time. Yes, because Aaron came for that show. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I got to know Abbott. I knew all the people in that group show. Okay, we can come back to them, but yeah. Brett, I assume. All right. I met Brett. Nell Dorr, I knew. Now, did you meet Brett at this time also? Yeah. He, did he come for that, or was did he happen to be... Mm, no, he was a friend of Rosario Matzeos. Right. And I met him at Matzeos. Oh, he came for Matzeos, or happened well, to be around. He, he might have been coming through town. All right. Yeah, the way he does. Right, and uh, so he... Was it Matteo's and Matteo called us up to come up for drinks or whatever dinner? So I got to know Brett then. Uh huh. Uh, Nell Dora I got to know because she lived only in Connecticut, so she came up for her shows. Hotchick. Hotchick, obviously, I didn't know. Captain Bernice. Captain Negro, I got to know. Lisette, I didn't know then. I got to meet her, I think, the following year in New York. Now, you were saying yesterday we should put it on the tape because it was kind of funny about why her show was rescheduled from May. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, uh, Irene made the arrangements. 
she made the preliminary arrangements. Mm -hmm. And then either uh, Marie or I followed through, we carried on correspondence or whatever. And there were, there were telephone conversations and all that. Sure, yeah. And so, of course, as, the, uh, as May was approaching, and I'm waiting anxiously for the prince to appear, and they're not appearing. Uh, finally, I can't recall now whether I wrote to her. I might have called her, and I said, where the hell is the prince? Probably called her. And she said, I'm sorry, but I can't deliver them because there is, uh, I've got fungus in my enlarger. <laughs> and can we, can we postpone the show? I said, well, can we have it for next month? She said, probably, yes. <laughs> so immediately I got a hold of Captain Negro, and I said, look, Paul, I'm stuck. I've got an open month. Are you willing? Have you got enough stuff to put up for a show? He said, fine. So we put Paul's things up. Mm -hmm. And it was then Paul showed that I got to meet Ansel Adams. Hmm. Because Ansel at that time probably was here for his uh, a week or two at Polaroid. You know, he comes, I think, twice a year to Polaroid. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, to do his consultation work with Dr. Land, uh, or whatever. And uh, Paul, of course, was a friend of Ansel's at that time, uh, through Minor. Through Minor, sure. Uh, and uh, so uh, that's when I got to meet Ansel at, at his show. And uh, Lisette, I got to know later on in New York. Gordon Converse, of course, is right here in Boston anyway, because he uh, he's with the Monitor. Mm -hmm. uh, Gerda Peterick I got to know, Chappelle I got to know, Lebro I got to know, Lang I knew. Now, how, um, would you have met Chappelle by going to Rochester? Yes, and your trips because to about that time, either the 59 or the 60, I think the uh, Society for Pornographic Education <laughs> was established. Yeah, I think that was a little later, but there was a big... Well, the, the preliminary Some meetings. Some of the talks about it, yeah. And I think the first ones were at Eastman House. There was a one in 63, there was in the summer, there was a teaching conference, so-called. But there was nearly one than that. Uh, I'm not sure. Anyway, yeah. I, I think so. Yeah, perhaps. Because uh, I know that Carenza and I drove out and we stayed with his folks in Rochester. And I got to know Chappelle then, and I got to know Lyons, and I got to know Beaumont. I got to know quite a few people, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, right around in this time, somewhere here, 60, yeah, 50. Yeah, right. And of course, since I was introduced as this nut from Boston, who's uh, opened up a gallery of photography, I mean, you know, they, everyone came to, Yeah. who the hell is this guy, you see? <laughs> you were a great day. So, uh, uh, by default, I suppose, I became an instant celebrity, you know, for the photographic world. I would think, yeah, that that would uh, be. Although, uh, what's her name, uh, uh, Mrs. G had the Limelight Gallery in New York. Oh, yeah, Helen G, yeah. Helen G. And she had it, uh, I think, for a few years before I did. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. In fact, I think that she probably closed up the year I opened up. The year you began to really show. Mm. So I think around that time, yeah. I think so. Did you go down to New York and see that? Yeah, ever? yeah. I got to meet her. And. Uh, Did you meet the guy, uh, guy named Lou Perella, who was also involved in actually setting up a lot of the shows? I, I may have. In fact, I think that Irene had a correspondence with him. 
fact, I think I noticed a few letters in there. Hmm. I'm not certain now, but I... Yeah, well, they're in there. I may have, but uh, obviously I didn't have much to do with it because I... Don't remember. He's not that much in my mind. Dorothea Lang, where would you have uh, met her? Should continue on the list a little bit. Uh, she came to Boston. Yeah, around this time? Mm-hmm. I didn't know Feininger. I don't know him to this day. How about uh, Burden? Shirley Burden, I knew. Uh, Shirley, at that time, had a son at Harvard. Ah. Carter Burden, who was now the big gun in New York right, City. Right, right. Sure. Carter Burden was in, uh, at Harvard at the time. And, uh, so he would have been here a couple times a year, possibly? Yeah. yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, I think he was my first customer. I think he was the one who brought the, the, Cisco, the couple of Siskins from me. And I think in my excitement, I sold him $50 pictures for 35 <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, having, having Shirley Burton as your first customer is somehow very fitting in photography. I mean. But I didn't know that. I knew nothing about the man. Yeah, you just... And it wasn't until later on that I got to know about him, and about his books, and about his work in photography. I found him to be a truly a very a fascinating individual. Really warm, unpretentious, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, helpful in many ways, in terms of advice, in terms of introductions to other people. Uh, so that an encouragement. Yeah. Uh, so that, uh, and of course, the support in those two sales, you see. Right. He's certainly been responsible, directly or indirectly, for support of all kinds so, of So, uh, I mean, you know, he, I think that. Uh, it, you know, the encouragement I got in those years, especially with people like Burden, was some of the things that just kept me going. Mm-hmm. Finally, you said you never met. How about Laughlin, Teskey? Uh, Laughlin, I got to know. Teskey, I never knew. Chalberg, I don't think I ever knew. Did Laughlin come for the show? Uh, or on one of his trips around? On one of his trips, he came to see me with a box of prints. And we spent an afternoon together. And I think I only saw three prints in that afternoon. Because he was explaining about them because all? Because he talked and talked and talked. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I think what happened is that uh, I think he, was, he, he had planned to be in town for several days, and so I, I convinced him to leave the box of prints with me overnight. So you could look so at So I them. could look at them. <laughs> and uh, I think that's funny how I got to know his work. Uh, yeah, I've always uh, felt like he was trying to uh, real se- verbal overkill when I'm. If well, he just let the pictures alone, he'd be better. Off. Well, you know, an extension of that, uh, when we finally decided to show his work, and of course he sent the elaborate instructions about how they should be hung and what the sequence should be, and of course he had attached to each photograph a full sheet, a, you know, type a sheet, type sheet of his garbage, you see. Mm-hmm. And he expected me to put the sheet right up against next to the photograph. And I couldn't do it because I didn't have that much wall space. Yeah, for one, yeah. And so uh, we finally compromised that we would edit it down to a paragraph. And I had to tuck it discreetly under the photograph. I mean, not under, but beneath the photograph. <laughs> <laughs> under would have been maybe better. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, so we had his photographs with this small paragraph beneath beneath the, the print, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bullock, I knew. 
Bullock, would he have also come mm -hmm. around this time for the show? Yeah. Uh, How about Don Ross? Uh, I knew his son, Merg. Now, was his son in Boston? Yes. At school or something? No, I think he was just visiting. He was only about 18 years old at the time. And I had great hopes for him, but... Uh, seems to have not uh, produced. Well, I don't know. I understand he's still working. I haven't seen any of, the, any of his stuff recently. Uh, Don Roth, I can't frankly remember if I had ever met him or not. I, Would he have been a name mentioned to you by uh, Matteo, perhaps? Might, might have. Might have. Because, of course, he's a good friend of Brett's. Right, yeah. Might have. He might have come through Matteo. Smith, I never knew, although I talked to him on the phone several times. Michel, mm -hmm. I never knew. I never knew Davis, I never knew Edward Weston. Bernhard I met. I don't think I ever knew Don Worth. Callahan I've known, and uh, Coke I know. Yeah. So with the exception of about half a dozen people, I've known all these, known yeah. all the others, and some of them rather well. I had a very good uh, relationship with Glenn Bullock. Yeah, I noticed there's quite a lot of correspondence right. when we were looking for the other things. Mm -hmm. and, uh, in fact, up until uh, our babies came five years ago, I had uh, a bed in the house, which was uh, which would have been perfect for the Eastman House collection of, <laughs> of memorabilia. So and so slept that, here, kind of. Well, in that bed, Neldor slept there. Chappelle slept in it. Win Bullock slept in it. Siskin slept in it. Callahan, <laughs> Nathan Lyons. <laughs> I don't know who else. Sounds like the Smithsonian, perhaps. Right. But, <laughs> and uh, uh, you sold it at a garage sale, right? Uh, but uh, no, I didn't. Uh, in fact, I gave it to a. I hope you gave it to a photographer. No, I didn't. I gave it to a doctor friend whose uh, son outdrew his. Uh, yeah. His juvenile furniture, and he needed a big double bed, a single bed, rather. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. So. Uh, well. Um, some questions I had on, to go back over the shows a bit. Um, on this big group show, yeah, did you did you put this together in conjunction with Irene then, basically? I mean, some of each. Probably so. not. No. Uh, she, she, I'm sure she helped, but. Uh, because would you have known Nathan Lyons, for example? Uh, uh, you would have maybe just met him through this show, perhaps, or she would have told you his name initially. I think I got to know Nathan through Carenza. Ah. Yeah. Uh, and I believe it was about 1960 that I first went to Rochester. Perhaps it wasn't for uh, that. Uh, Maybe the conference was a later. SPE trip? thing. Maybe it was just to visit and look over the place. In fact, I think that probably was so. Your very first visit was just uh, right, to see. just as an introduction to the place and what they had. And I think I met Nathan there. In fact, I know I didn't. I know sure. I met Chappelle then. I know I met Miner in Rochester at that time. Uh, and Rang Langley, or Wright Langley rather. And uh, was it Rochester uh, type? I think so. Was he a student of Miner's, or was he just someone else uh, there? He might have come from RIT. He might have been. Because, of course, you know, Miner was already had his little private atelier. Yeah. 
right. situations. And uh, uh, in fact, I was sort of astonished when I first walked into Miner's little place. 72 North Union Street in Rochester? Yes, yes. A hallowed address. Oh, absolutely, because there was Miner, you know, that's cost like a young Buddha mm -hmm. with all of his disciples cooking and you know, running around being very hush hush on their tiptoes and mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, because this was very strange to me. I mean, I've known painters who had ateliers of, 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 uh, uh, for the same purpose, but hell, the painters were raucous. Or, I mean, mm -hmm. wild women floating around and uh, <laughs> booze flowing like water, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But there was just the opposite with Minor. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like uh, stepping into a monastery. Mm. Uh, but in any case, what about uh, George Craven? This is this is the George Craven who's now out in California teaching somewhere. Right. At that time, he was here, and he's I can't recall if he was a student or if he was teaching at one of the small colleges around. He might have been a student at BU. Hmm. Uh, be. And I know that he was uh, interested in the photo secession. And in fact, I think he finally published a, well, an article or something. Either an article or for his uh, uh, master's degree or whatever. I know he published a paper. Yeah, in fact, I think he did it at Ohio University. Well, uh, wherever. He did a paper I, on it there. Uh, those I wouldn't want you to touch, okay? okay. All right. Fine. Uh, because they're all, all, all the same print anyway. Okay, great. So, uh, uh, okay. So, uh, well, Kalisher would have been somebody just in the Clemens name Kalisher. would have been known in Boston. Was he still he, out in Stockbridge then? Stockbridge, right? yeah. But he was having shows in Boston. There was a small gift shop in a gallery on Charles Street, and I think he had an exhibit there of uh, some of his Beacon Hill scenes. Uh, and uh, I got to know him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I happened to stop in just a few years ago uh, in Stockbridge and looked through, he had a big stack of prints, right. which I looked through, which I yeah. was, uh, thank you, Carl, right, actually quite disappointed in. I was. Uh, because I'd heard his name, you know, it mm -hmm. didn't uh, seem kind of tepid to me somehow. Well, he's primarily a commercial person, I think. Uh, even though he's tried to uh, run a gallery in Stockbridge. Yeah. Uh, but then I think at uh, one period or another, every photographer tries to run a gallery. <laughs> Marie Cassindis had one, one or two summers out uh, on Martha's Vineyard. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. Okay, of course, some of these names are familiar, uh, obviously, now. Uh, Chester, uh, Michalik. Yeah. Well, Chester, let me tell you about Chester. Okay. Chester started with me when he was about 17 or 18 years old. At this time? Yeah. No, 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 this was early, before that. Before this group showing? Chester when he was a student at Vesper George School of Art. He was, he was also into painting and graphics. And Chester worked with me in a frame shop. 
Ah. And Chester worked for me in the gallery off and on for about 10 years while he was going to Vespa George and then when he transferred to Boston University. And uh, so off and on for about 10 years he worked with me. And uh, I've seen him develop from the very beginning as a painter and later on as a photographer. And he is, to me, one of the truly joyous experiences in the sense of watching that growth. Mm -hmm. Because I can't say the same for Captain Igor or Carenza because by the time I got to know them, they were already in their mature style. Fairly well. Yeah. Uh, well, I wouldn't There's say mature style, but fairly well on the way. Yeah. But Chester, on the other hand, was just truly beginning. All right. And uh, so I have seen him come along from. And to me, it's been it's been a fantastically, how shall I say, joyful experience. Yeah. One of the things I was going to remark, um, and by way of a sort of general remark about the people you've showed. Uh, and this period of time and all the later people as well is that um, and this relates to what you're saying is that you seem to show primarily um, people who are more or less contemporary in the sense that they're people that you know or um, they're living artists in the true sense of that word you know? oh, yes. um, that whereas obviously in the recent past the history uh, has been in the, the photo gallery that the the way to go really is with all the older material, which certainly is very interesting photographically, but has yeah. a very, it's a, it's a closed issue, you know. Well, if you look at the list, especially of these early years, mm -hmm. even though none of them at that time were household words, or household names, or however that expression goes. Whatever, yeah. Whatever. Uh, still know all these people are more or less, were at that time fairly well respected in the, in the photographic community. Mm -hmm. So in other words, with the exception of that December group show, and maybe one or two others, and one or two others, I mean, I wasn't dealing with uh, with neophytes. You know, I mean, Siskin, of course, was already established. So was Weston. So was Neldor, Aj, Modell. I mean, that was the first year yeah. of our regular shows. Mm -hmm. You see, so that uh, uh, it didn't mean that I didn't have my eye open for. These younger people, as as uh, as you know, as you can see in that December show, mm -hmm. uh, but at the time, I don't think there was that much for me to draw on, or at least what I knew about to draw on. And uh, with Irene's help, uh, I got to know uh, the work of most of these people, and then when it became a personal contact. Then of course uh, it became easier to convince them to show. Uh, in fact, Siskin, when he came, as I recall, he was really quite surprised that I would even make the effort. And you know, uh, uh, he was very helpful again. And uh, well, most of these people were helpful. All of them, in fact. Well, well I mean, they, this was a point yeah. where somebody who was serious about having a gallery and showing photographs was such a rare commodity. Yeah. They were, I think, all probably quite appreciative of that fact. Yeah, that would that would be my guess. Well, you know, one of the sh one of the reasons why I showed Odd for example, and one of the reasons why I showed the Civil War things later on, was because this was my way of showing the public in general, 
uh, that there is some history in photography, or at least photography has a history of its own. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, that uh, even though it might not be as uh, long-lived or as uh, prestigious as the, the history of painting, for example, but at least it does have a history. It has its roots. Uh, it has its roots. And so this was one of the reasons why I show these things. And I think that for a number of years I tried in some way to have some kind of a historical exhibition, you see. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, each of these first three seasons has the Sintiace in the first season, the Stieglitz in the second season, and the, the Civil War material. Now, the the Ace obviously was from Bernice, but yeah. the, the Stieglitz material was primarily from the from the MFA in Boston? Uh, yeah, and I got... I think there were four or five additional ones from Eastman House. I think Eastman House sent me gravures. But uh, <laughs> the original pictures, uh, the original photographs, uh, of Stieglitz's came from the museum, Museum of Fine Arts. That in itself has, is an interesting history, because uh, what preceded the uh, that show was an article that Nick Dean had written for Contemporary Photographer magazine, uh -huh. and in that article he deplored the storage the, the way that's right the way the museum handled the storage of those Stieglitz prints yeah I've, I've read that article sometime right? yeah and so uh, now I can't recall now whether I had thought of this thing by myself or whether I had helped someone else or not but eventually the idea came about that I should approach the museum and offer to take, you know, to clean these things up, to clean the Stieglitzes up, if they would allow me to show them mm -hmm. for a month. And when I approached the, the curator of Prince at that time, who was a very nice old Yankee Brahmin gentleman, you know, mm -hmm. and I asked him if I could see the photographs, he directed me up to the museum library where all of the slides and all of the photographs of <laughs> reproductions of, all of, all of the artifacts that the museum owned and stored, you see. And I said, no, that's not what I want to see. I want to see the Stieglitzes. He said, oh, those. And he had to think a while. And he finally remembered that they were down in the basement. And uh, we went down, and they were in uh, an old dilapidated bedroom dresser bureau, hmm. you know. It had about four drawers to it, and they were stacked one on top of the other. And thank God that they were in frames. Oh. with dust covers on them, you see. In fact, these were the original frames that Stieglitz had George Off make for him. Right? George Off? Off, O-F. O-F? Yeah. <laughs> That's a great name. He apparently, I don't know what, I don't know anything about him, but I assume that he, among other things, he was obviously a, a frame maker. And uh, in fact, I think uh, Stieglitz uh, uh, in fact, I think the museum has a portrait of Off that Stieglitz made. Oh. I, I, whether the museum has one, I'm not certain, but I know I've seen one. One exists, yeah. One exists somewhere. So, I uh, told my proposition, you know, to the curator, and he agreed. And so he took all the prints to, to the gallery, cleaned the frames off, uh, cleaned the glass, took the pictures out of the frames, 
you know, got whatever dust was inside, replaced it with new dust covers. And then, so more or less, we, what we actually did was just clean the glass and fix, uh, repair the frames, the ones that were split, and touch them up with white paint here and there where it was necessary. Mm. And we showed them. We put them up on a wall for a month. Well, I mean, once the word got out that there was a show at the Sinbad Gallery, you know, Jake Deshin wrote it up in New York, uh, I think. Uh, in fact, I'm sure Jake wrote it up. And, of course, the local papers did it and all that. And from what I understand, the word eventually hit, got to Keith got to George O'Keefe, mm -hmm. that there are Stieglitzes in the Seabab Gallery, you see. And she apparently raised one big holy stink with the <laughs> museum. Yeah. Right? And well, uh, the museum, of course, um, was in its rights. They, they could do that if they wanted to, because the groups that I had were the, was the original gift that, that Stieglitz had made to the museum. Back, I believe, in uh, the year I was born, in 1926, I think it was. Hmm. Not and the it, subsequent gifts, the, you mean, in other words? No, no, no. He gave an initial gift, I believe, of 24 pictures, framed photographs. He, because the subsequent, the subsequent stuff mm -hmm. that the museum has, some of it was a gift from O'Keefe, and some of it was, came as a, as a sort of a permanent loan from her with all kinds of conditions attached to it. Right. right? But uh, it's, as far as I know, the only, the only condition attached to Stieglitz's original gift was that they should be shown every, at least once every five years. Uh-huh. A condition which they probably had not met anyway? Well, I think they did it for about the first two times. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they didn't do it again until recent times. Goodness. Anyway, you were going to say what happened to O'Keefe's protests. Uh. Well, the Sierra Pony raised a big stink and uh, threatened to remove everything from uh, everything, all the secret material from the museum. And, uh -huh. But then eventually, I think cooler heads prevailed and uh, convinced her that it wasn't really that bad. But I think from that point on, she established herself as a as a force insofar as the secrets work is concerned. Mm -hmm. you know? Because uh, later on in 1964, when the museum was planning a centennial exhibition of Stieglitz's work, and they uh, were planning to publish a major catalog. The, the book that was eventually that published. That was eventually published, you see. I was commissioned to do the text of that book. Mm -hmm. By the museum? By the museum. And I spent about six months researching and writing it out. But once again, I found out later, much to my dismay, that she was never consulted on the project. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when it came, when it came, the uh, time approached for the exhibition, they finally sent her my manuscript, which she immediately rejected. <laughs> uh, and so my, my thing never got to be published in the catalog. Instead, they reprinted the Doris Bree uh, text from the old uh, National Gallery catalog of, uh, what was it, 1958, I believe. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought my text was pretty good. Uh, Beaumont uh, had looked it over. He made uh, a few helpful suggestions to improve it. Peter Vanell read it. He made a couple more. Mm -hmm. I made a couple of uh, uh, stupid errors. Uh, I called uh, the steward's uh, immigrants, and they were emigrants. Right. 
Uh, but that was, uh, you know, one of those things that might have been a, well, whatever. But in any case, she refused, to, she rejected the manuscript. And I was furious. And I wrote to her. Mm -hmm. uh, I said, I could certainly understand that you don't like it. That's understandable. I can accept that. But I would not like to know why. Give me a reason. <laughs> I frankly never expected to receive an answer, but I did. And on one sheet, in her huge handwriting, she wrote down in effect, I don't have to give you any reasons, Georgia O'Keeffe. <laughs> and that end of that. Uh, Mike Kinzer eventually published the, uh, the manuscript in the... One of the annuals? And I think it was a 1969 Pop Photo Annual. Yeah, I think I saw it there. And again, I, you know, no one had seen it before. Uh, I think I might have shown it to Carenza, but no one had seen it until it got published in the, in the Pop Annual. And I got a very nice note from Miner, you know, encouraging, to me, encouraging me to write more. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but in any case... Uh, yeah. Let me uh, let me ask about a few more of these uh, right. more obscure names, just so have some sense. Uh, uh, just to wrap up, the rest there's a couple other names in this group show who don't mean anything to me at all. Arnold Kaplan is one. Well, Arnold Kaplan <laughs> was an interesting chap. He uh, lived on the South Shore here, and he was uh, at that time one of the prime movers of the of the Boston Camera Club. All right. And, in fact, he was the only member of the Boston Camera Club who would come to the, to the gallery regularly to look at the exhibits and to talk and things like that. And he showed me a few prints that were rather interesting. And I thought uh, to encourage him I might include him in a group show. But, it, in fact, what he did do is uh, decided to go the camera club route, you see, the accumulated stars or his badges or whatever. Yeah. So I've not seen or heard from him for at least 10 years. Mm -hmm. uh, now, who else? Right Phil, Phil Lieberman is another name. Uh, Phil Lieberman. Let me see if I can remember. I think Phil Lieberman at that time was a Life Magazine stringer. He uh, did quite a bit of commercial work, I believe, but he also did some other things that were Interesting at that time. Okay. Uh, now, Chester Michlick, you know about him. Munford, I don't know anything about James that. Munford, uh, as I recall, came from New York. Uh, he came to Boston, he lived in Boston, but he came, I think, from New York. And I believe he was either a friend or a student of uh, David Vestal's. Mm. And uh, you see, because at that time, Certainly, in those first two seasons, mm -hmm. uh, I didn't realize what opening up a photography gallery would mean. In terms of the number of people who were going to be crossing your door, you mean? Right. With portfolios. And so, right. So eventually, what had happened, uh, we began to meet on a regular basis. I think it was either every Wednesday or every Thursday night. And at first, it was a relatively small group. Cap, Cap Nigger was there, Carenza was there. Cassindus was there, uh, Trifonides might have been there, 
Oh, maybe a few other people might have been there. But then gradually the thing began to grow and grow. Because, you know, when Siskin was in town, we'd have him. But he would say something, mm -hmm. or he would give critiques. Mm -hmm. for when Bernice was there, she, you know, she did that, and Nell Dorr did it. Uh, but the thing it got to be so that there might be a hundred people would show up, you know? And it became an event, a theatrical event, more or less, you <laughs> see, with a few performers and the rest as audience. audience and not really a meeting, uh, you see. And so I eventually got fed up with that. Because, you know, when we met informally as a small group, we'd have a few cases of beer and some pretzels or whatever. But then this other group also expected to have beer and pretzels. <laughs> had to start charging admission to... <laughs> well, it was either that or limiting. And so uh, I think we finally brought that to a halt because I couldn't afford <laughs> beer and pretzels for that huge group and they weren't willing to contribute and... Uh, but in any case, we got to know quite a few people. Warren Hill was one of them. And, and this group show is sort of the early beginnings of the enlargement of that group, is kind of what you're saying? Uh, sort of. Yeah. How about Stone? I Noel? don't remember anything about him. <laughs> Isn't it awful? Is that a... Noel as a man? Or is yeah. it Noel? Yeah. Noel. Noel. Warren Hill, of course, is... Uh, Warren Hill was a commercial photographer. I mean, that's how he made his living. But uh, he was doing some other things that uh, I thought were very interesting. He was doing things, uh, well, he was starting to do uh, things like uh, double negative printing of, uh, in the manner of what Ultzman is doing now. But he was doing it before Ultzman, really. The figure and landscape type of thing. Type of thing, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. Uh and superimposing figures into a landscape, that kind of stuff. McDonald. I Dave McDonald. Um, well, I think, uh, again, I think he's a commercial person. Yeah. In fact, I think he was the one who was processing and printing for Steve Trifonovich. Ah. And that's probably how he got involved. And in fact, I think he's probably still doing it for Steve. Mm-hmm. Mary Ross, of course, was Don Ross's son. Yeah. And he came east with a batch of his stuff. And at that time, I think he was either 17 or 18 years old, or might have been younger. Oh, no, you know, I've heard another story about that same trip, now that you mention it, where he visited uh, um, McAlpin in Princeton on the mm -hmm. same swing. Uh, I think I've heard Don Ross recount that in relation to yeah. Brett. Uh, it's yeah. just popped into my mind. But yeah, and I, I liked him as a, as a person. He was a nice, young, unassuming boy. And he was doing uh, large camera work. And uh, I thought for a teenager, he was doing really wonderful stuff. And uh, more to encourage him to continue than anything. Uh, you know, I thought, well, look, leave a portfolio with me now. Show it around, and I'll put it for us, put it in a group show, things like that. Would this have been on the order of two or three prints from each of these people? Because it's not a huge space you're showing. No, it might have been even might have only been one from each person. It's a fairly large group of people. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was probably one just one from each person. What about the uh, the summer group show here? Irene Schwachman, of course, uh, 
we've talked about, but who are the other two fellows? Uh, Ernest Halberstadt was a commercial photographer in Boston. But uh, he was rather unusual in the sense that uh, uh, his commercial work didn't fit into the into a the kind of a usual commercial mold. Hmm. What was it like? He, well, I, it's difficult for me to remember, but I do know that it was a bit offbeat for its day. Mm-hmm. It was a bit unusual, you know. And he was also doing other things. Uh, uh, he was photographing some of the uh, uh, pre-colonial cemeteries in Boston and coming up with some fasc- fascinating images, you see. And so I decided, why not? And as for Walt St. Clair, I think he was a friend of Chappelle's. Might have been a student of his as well. Uh, Although I'm not certain. He was trying to make a living in, in New Hampshire as a commercial photographer. And unfortunately, I've not seen or heard from him since then. Okay. Um, let me, uh, let's take a little break here. I think I've got to stretch a little bit for All a second. Right. And I've got to stretch a little bit for All a right. second. And. <laughs>